Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. So good morning, everyone. Today, as we are getting ready for work, the beginning of the week and the beginning of the day, getting ready to go and do what we are called to do, let's talk about Mission Marketplace. And as we start, as we read in the word of God, exalting God, be thou exalted to God above the heavens, let thy glory be above all the earth. A question that we should ask ourselves, are we in full-time ministry? Some might say yes, some might say no. And wherever we have been placed, wherever is our calling at this point in time, that is where we are called to serve, serve our Lord and God and serve the people. So we are in full-time ministry wherever we are. And the question is, well, we are in full-time ministry. Who is a missionary? Am I a missionary? Well, am I? I like this quote which somebody said that a missionary is not someone who occasionally crosses the sea. A missionary is not someone who occasionally crosses the sea, but someone who daily sees the cross. So for us, when we daily see the cross, that means we are missionary too. Full-time ministry and missionary. Well, so mission marketplace. What and where is this marketplace? The moment we start thinking about this, the first picture comes to our mind is a market. And when you look at this market, it's like, well, what is our mission here? This is just a market. We go and buy stuff. So, so what is this mission marketplace about? Why do we call it as marketplace? Let's look to the scriptures. Let's look at the Bible and see what exactly happens in a marketplace. All right. So in Matthew 23, we, we read, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. This is the story about the, the landlord who was looking out for laborers. And he went to the marketplace and he saw people standing idle. So what happens in a marketplace? Okay, looks like in a marketplace, there are people who are getting jobs. There are people who are looking out for jobs. There is economy happening. There is trade happening. There is exchange happening. Okay, that's the marketplace. And, 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 and we see that there are some people sitting idle in the market, standing idle in the marketplace. So there are people who are standing idle as well. What next? Next we read in Mark 12. And he said unto them in his doctrine, beware of the scribes who love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplace. That means we are, we find people who are in the marketplace who are, who love salutations and who want to show and demonstrate, demonstrate themselves in a very different way. Um, in our current context, what platform can we think of? Can we think about Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn? Are those places the marketplace? What next? Luke 7, verse 32. They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one another and saying, we have piped unto you and ye have not danced. We have mourned to you and you, ye have not wept. So again, a marketplace. What was happening during the days of Jesus in the marketplace? People singing, people dancing, people mourning, everything happening in the marketplace. So now 
do we get an idea of how expansive and how expanded is this marketplace that we see around us? Let's look further. In the book of Acts, chapter 16, we read about the lady who had the spirit of divination, who was following, following Paul and Silas, and she was annoying them. At one point in time, Paul was very annoyed, and he commanded that spirit to leave this lady. Now, she was, with her fortune telling, telling, she was getting some money and some profit and some revenue for her owners. Now, when her masters saw that their, the hope of their gain was gone, what did they do? They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. So the marketplace is also a place where we find the rulers of the place. If we have to make an impact, we have to go into the marketplace. So what is this? A marketplace. Well, looks like a market, so that's a marketplace. But how about this? Uh, this is a school or a university that you can see and the students and the teachers. Isn't that a marketplace as well? Some of us are working as teachers. Some of us are working in the education industry. That is our marketplace. What about this? Small children, potential ground, marketplace. Our workplace, gathering, professional groups, marketplace. And then... People gathering together, social circles, isn't that the marketplace as well as the Bible says? People in the marketplace, dancing, singing. So this also is a marketplace for us. Our understanding of marketplace. Workplace, marketplace. And how about as we are traveling, airports, bus terminals, again, place for us to make an impact our cities, our towns, marketplace. So we spoke about mission, who is a missionary. So now we can say, I understand mission. We spoke about marketplace. So we can say, I understand marketplace. But what is my mission and calling? What is God's will for me? Many of us have gone through these questions. And many still have this question in place. But that should not stop us from starting. Let's look at what the Lord says. When the disciples came to the Lord, to Lord Jesus, and asked them, asked him to teach them how to pray, as part of the prayer, he said, addressing our Father, our Father who art in heaven. And then as part of the prayer, it was, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So thy kingdom come, God's kingdom come, whose will it is? Thy will be done on earth. So God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is God's will. So if it is God's will, isn't this then something which becomes a mission for us? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let me ask you this question. What is the similarity between a church and a car showroom? What is the similarity between a church and a car showroom? Well, what the similarity will be, when we buy a car, we go to the showroom to look at the car. How does it look? We go and look at the features. We look at the mileage. We look at not just the look and feel, but the comfort. We find out, we do a comparison. We go to the showroom 
to find out more. So in a context, the local church is like the showroom for Christianity. So this is the place where people see and evaluate how does it look like. The local church is like the showroom of Christianity. But when we buy a car, we do not buy a car looking at only the showroom. So how do we buy a car? We buy a car only after having done the test drive. So like I said, the local church is like the showroom for Christianity and the test drive, the marketplace is the test drive. The test drive happens in the marketplace. This is the place where people are watching us. People who do not know Christ, who do not know our Lord Jesus. This is the place where they are looking unto the Christians to see, is it really what they see in the showroom? Is it reality? Is, the reality, is this the reality of our lives? And do they really want it? This is the place of evaluation. The marketplace is the test drive. So why so much of focus on the marketplace? Because this is where our pre-believing co-workers get to see if they really want what we have. How do we respond under pressure? Is it, do we practice what we preach? How do we treat people? How much God truly matters to us in our daily lives? Is it only on Sundays in the church? Or what is our relationship with God? And how much God truly matters in our daily lives. So then, back. I understand mission. I understand the marketplace. Okay? I understand my mission and calling. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I understand my mission and calling now. But how? What am I supposed to do? Let's look to the scriptures and see what the Lord has instructed us. How? In Genesis 1, 26, we read, then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over all the earth. And what does dominion mean? Dominion means to govern, to rule, to control, to manage, and to lead. Okay, we are supposed to have dominion. But what will be our strategy? Again, let's look to the Lord. The word of God says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fishes of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. So here, God is giving us a strategy. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and have dominion. How? Let's ask this question to ourselves. What are we doing with the gifts that the Lord has given us, that God has given us? Those are the seeds which is already in us. Are we, are we leveraging what God has already given, the gifts that he has given, the seed which is in us? And are we looking at being fruitful? So being fruitful is to produce. Now, many people are in business. Many are in as professionals. And, and working as employees and salaried professionals. There are many others in all different kind of places, people who are serving directly, uh, 
in non-profits. So when we look at all our different kind of calling, are we fruitful? Are we producing? And then next is to multiply. That means to reproduce. So whatever we have, are we making more of it? If there is somebody who's in business who has either a product or a service, you have developed a product. Are you multiplying it? Because with that volume will come expansion and profit. So multiply, reproduce, and then fill and distribute. That's like expanding. And with filling and distributing will come subduing. That is control of market, market share. Expanding our presence. And with this comes subdue and have dominion. People who are in jobs, again, to look at the giftings, the talents that they bring and how powerfully they are serving and then filling, subduing and having dominion. Well, with that comes the question then, that means it's competition, right? So, well, competition, how do we deal with competition? We are called to subdue and have dominion. And of course, to have dominion, we have to compete and we have to win in the competition and dealing with competition. What is the biblical perspective? Let's take a look at that. Winning in the marketplace, kingdom style. Do we win in the marketplace like the other people or do we have a different style of our own, kingdom style? First, let's, let's look at this. Sense of competition can result in some major temptations. And those temptations can be the temptation of selfishness, making our own interest more important to us than the interest of others. That can come when there is a sense of competition. The temptation of envy, judging others, judging our own well-being by comparing with the well-being of others. And then the temptation of greed, breaking the rules of fair play to extract wealth and advantage from others through injustice. Competition can bring in all these temptations, selfishness, envy, greed. To reiterate further, we see what the Bible says, the temptation of selfishness. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Well, can we really compete and win if we have to look at the interest of others? Well, that's the Bible. That's what the Bible is instructing us. Next, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit through factional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Competition is getting tough, isn't it? If we have to follow these instructions, let's look further. The temptation of envy. As the word of God says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom do not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Further, let's read another verse in Galatians 5. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, 
envying one another. No envy. So we compete and we have to stay away from envy. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones, says Proverbs 14, 13. And we also see in Ecclesiastes 4, and I saw that all toil and all achievements springs from one's, one person's envy to another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful of tranquility and then two handful of with toil and chasing after the wind. So here we see we have to stay away from envy. And then there is the temptation of greed. In 2 Timothy 2, we read, and also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So a temptation of greed can bring in urge to break some rules, but that's not allowed for us. And we also read in 1 Corinthians 9, now every athlete who goes into training and competes in the games is disciplined and exercises self-control in all things. They do it to win a crown that withers, but we do it to receive an imperishable crown that cannot wither. Competition is getting tougher. If we look at the biblical standards, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, our mission, and now all the challenges that comes in with competition. So is competition biblical? And how do we compete? Well, first let's get the fundamentals right here. Who is our competition? In Galatians 6, 4, we read, but each one must carefully scrutinize his own work, examining his actions, attitudes, and behavior. And then he can have the personal satisfaction and inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing himself to another. Without comparing himself to another. So we cannot compare with others. We saw in the previous verses, we are supposed to compare ourselves with ourselves. So we are competing, competing with ourselves, competing with oneself. I know you might be having this question and saying, but we still have competition in sports, in our workplace and in business. What should be our approach? Let's look, let's find out who is our true competition? Who exactly is our true competition? And this is where we move with the mind of Christ. Let's say a gym owner. Who is a competition for a gym owner? The natural response will be one gym. The competition for this gym is another gym. But let me propose the competition for a gym or a gym owner is not another gym. The competition for a gym owner is Netflix, eating outside, shopping, vacation. Because somebody who does not want to commit to go to gym and be healthy might be giving, might be procrastinating with all the other reasons. So a competition for a gym is not another gym, but all these attitudes and all this mindset. So once we start understanding who is our true competition, what do we do? What do we do about our, our competition? Yes, of course, you will also want to study about, a gym owner will want to study what other gyms do. A gym owner should also study who's the true competition. And what do we do after that? We study competition, we learn from them without being arrogant. We know them inside out because we have to have our strategy. 
and once done then what don't focus on that don't focus on competition anymore study is done where should our focus be focus on ourselves as we read in the scriptures we have to compare ourselves with ourselves so we focus on ourselves next we focus on our clients wherever god has placed us wherever we are serving that is our mission mission field the marketplace and this is where we focus to serve powerfully our clients most importantly we focus on god how do we focus on our clients we serve them powerfully better service better experience and better value we have to think long term this is a battle versus war how do we make sure that where we are we serve so powerfully we stay grounded we are there so that we can make an impact and we can also grow at the same time so we shift our focus to our clients and then what we serve powerfully as we read in matthew 23 verse 11 and 12 but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant and whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted so we have to serve powerfully how do we serve powerfully we serve our clients powerfully wherever we are we serve them powerfully by resolving their frustrations their fears their apprehensions let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself let each of you look out not only for his own interest but also in the interest of others so we resolve our clients and the people whom we serve their frustrations their fears and apprehensions we tap into their psychology and emotions and thoughts and we add value to their lives and then we add value to their lives to their business how by constantly innovating ourselves we innovate ourselves we become better of who we are our services and our products we innovate to make it better than what it is at present we add value and then and then it becomes an apple to orange comparison there is no apple to apple comparison where there will be price wars and there has to be discounts to be given or we seem to be on the same plane as the others but instead of apples to apples comparison it becomes apples to oranges comparison so because of the value and the innovation and the powerful the powerful way that we serve the people around us no price for you charge for your products and your services at premium why because they want it and they want it only from you so by the way while you are powerfully serving people what would your competition be doing your competition will be observing you how powerfully you are serving your clients and how are you innovating how are you leveling up the game because you are making a impact you are adding value to the lives of people their businesses their professions their the ecosystem you are making an impact to the world and if competition has to compete with you they have to increase and increase their game and they have to bring an innovation and add value so do you see that wherever god has put us when we serve powerfully and we serve powerfully with adding value and innovation and creativity focusing on god not just us the people who we serve their lives are changed competition is watching us their lives are going to change and they will impact this earth 
So cruelly this is, then the Lord's will, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So with this, I come to the end of my talk today as we step out. Let's keep this in mind. We are missionaries. We are full, we're in full-time ministry. We are missionaries. We have a mission. And our mission and our purpose is God's will. And God's will is for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. God has placed us wherever we are right now to serve powerfully so that we impact lives. And this world is a different place and a wonderful place and a blessed place to live in compared to it was yesterday. All right, so as we come to the end, let's bow down our head in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank and praise you, Lord, that you have given us a sense of mission, a sense of purpose, a sense of calling. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will bless us with clarity in the days to come with very specifics. And wherever you have placed me, my Lord, may we serve the people around us powerfully so that they will know you. May they know the truth and the truth set them free. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.